it's exciting to be here today, and I, I, I don't want to really waste much time. I want to get straight into the Word of God, because after the first service, I realized this message could be broken into a four-part series really easily. And so uh, we're going to try get into it quickly today. And, uh, I, I, in light of culture, in light of the world, I want to come and speak a message around a topic that is not so commonly talked about within general church Sunday services, uh, although I believe it's a topic that's in, extremely interesting for people. And, and so today, I want to I talk to us about demons. <laughs> I, think we're, I think we're living in a world where, where things are functioning in a certain way. I, I believe when things are being uh, legislated, I believe when things are being taught as common practice that just don't make sense to the logical mind, yet a majority of people seem to run along and agree with. I believe it's the functioning of the spirit of the world, and it's foolishness. It's crazy, but to so many people, uh, they believe that it is true and right, and we can just turn a blind eye to such crazy uh, ideologies. And so I believe it's important. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of, I think it's Peter, it says, do not be caught unaware you have an enemy, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We're not to be afraid, but we are supposed to be aware. Awareness and fear are very different things. When you're in a war, or if you're, if you're in the army or in a war, you can walk around and be afraid, and you won't be able to step out in courage, but you have to be aware. If you walk around unaware is how you get yourself shot. You have to be aware, you have to be aware of your surroundings, what's happening. And so today, I want to I wanna do that. I, I, let's talk about demons, amen? <laughs> how do you say amen to that? It's weird, amen, talking about demons. I want to start with reading this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, There are two equal and opposite errors in which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel the, an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Um, they themselves, speaking of the demons, are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. C.S. Lewis is saying there are this group of people who just pretend that there is no spiritual realm and there is no demonic existence in the world and the demons love that. They're hidden. On the other side, he's saying there are those who have a far too greater interest into the matter, find themselves in YouTube, in wormholes that go deeper than the abyss. And he's saying the demons also love that. But there's a place in the middle where we're supposed to be aware. The Bible says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. There is a spiritual battle at hand, and we are aware that we serve the living God, and therefore we know that the victory belongs to Jesus. But we are also aware that the Scripture tells us our, our warfare is not between human to human, but there is a spiritual realm, and we must be aware of that. So today, again, if we could title this message, it would be, Let's Talk About Demons. Luke chapter 4, verse 31. 
Luke chapter 4, verse 31. This is what it says. Speaking of Jesus. Then he went down to Capernaum to a town in Galilee. And on the Sabbath day, sorry, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. I think it's important to note that people were amazed at Jesus' teaching in the synagogue because his words carried authority. He's not the only person to be teaching in that synagogue. He's just the first one in a long time whose words carried authority. It's important to recognize that the weight of Jesus' life is the authority in which we all function in as spirit-filled believers. It's why there are some people who can talk the same uh, information as another, per another person and one does it without authority and it sounds like clanging cymbals and some do it within the authority of Jesus and it's something that can transform your life. It captivates your heart, captivates your mind. It says, because his words had authority. In verse 33, it says, In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Verse 35, Jesus says, Be quiet. And sorry, it says, be quiet, Jesus said sternly, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. I want to tell us today and make us aware that demons are real. We cannot fall in this camp of pretending there is not a supernatural realm if we believe the Bible. We cannot fall into this camp that don't believe that demons exist, that there's something that's just mystical and out there and doesn't interact with our world. We cannot allow ourselves to be falling into this category. In the same way, we can't allow ourselves to be on the other side of the coin where we're so obsessed by the demonic, but we have to realize they are real. But the question is, if demons are real this morning, then what are demons. Now we've all seen different movies and all sorts of different uh, things that present demons, but I want to tell you today what the Bible talks about demons are. Demons are essentially fallen angels. They are essentially angels that were created by God in the heavenly places along with Lucifer. Lucifer is whom we would now call Satan the devil, but Lucifer was his name. Satan and the devil are terms to describe him as slanderer or accuser. And so Satan was there in heaven and he, and he was created by God. It's an interesting fact to realize that God created Satan and the demons. And because of pride, because of Satan, Lucifer's desire to be greater than God, he was then expelled from heaven. He was cast down from heaven. The Bible alludes to it in the book of Luke, where Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And through Scripture, through the book of Revelation, chapter uh, 12, verses 4 and, and 7, uh, and through Scriptures in Ezekiel 28 and Scriptures in Isaiah 14, through, through putting this all together and reading it, we can conclude that Satan, Lucifer, was a heavenly angel created by God and he was cast out of heaven because of his rebellion. And because of his rebellion and the angels who sided with him, the Bible alludes that a third of the angels went with him and were cast out of heaven, whom we now call demons. I'll, I'll read this thing for us. 
this is what we can conclude from the Bible. There is a wicked force of evil spirits in the world called demons. Originally, they were created by God as holy angels. Their home was heaven, and they served and worshipped God. But through pride and rebellion, they became evil. Their leader, Lucifer, became known as Satan, the devil. He was able to lead one-third of those holy angels in his rebellion. As a result of the rebellion and pride, they were cast out of heaven by God himself. They number in potentially hundreds of thousands to millions. We aren't exactly sure, but Hebrews alludes to the point which speaks about there was an innumerable amount of angels, or some translations say thousands upon thousands. And so some think there are millions, some think there are thousands. What we definitely know is that one-third of these thousands, hundreds of thousands or millions became demons. Uh, they are eternal. In the future, they will be thrown into the lake of fire where they will be tormented forever. Uh, they cannot be redeemed. They cannot be forgiven. Nor do they want to or will they ever repent. One big question that people bring up often is they, they uh, well, what about the demons? I was with, I don't know if you've ever met Keanu, a young, young lad, a good friend of mine who came to Africa with me. And uh, we were doing these meetings in one of our, our life groups that he was running, and this lady came to the meeting. And uh, she, she was young, about 23, in a relationship. And she came, and we began to teach about the scriptures, and she asked if we could pray with her afterwards, and we began to pray with her. And she let out this shriek that is blood-curdling, like unreal just this scream as this demon within her began to manifest and we prayed with her and, and we dealt with the demon but what we found out of her journey is that she had been having demons visit her at night now whether that's physical or or in, in her uh, imagination in her dreams we're not to know but what we do know is that these things were plaguing her and the problem that she had found herself with is that they had tricked her and made her feel sorry for them. So when we began to work with her about delivering these things from her life, her greatest concern was this. She said, but where are they going to go? If they're not with me, they're, where are they going? She was concerned for the demons. They cannot be redeemed. They will not be redeemed. They are eternally wicked and they are damned and their destiny is eternal torment in the lake of fire which Jesus created for the devil and his angels. It's such an important factor that we are not to feel compassion for them. That is not compassion. That would be a form of deception, okay? We'd helped this young girl and we journeyed with her to help her break the ties, but she was delivered and set free. But this is a real concept that plagues many people's minds. So that is what demons are. Fallen angels who rebelled against God, who now work with Satan to destroy the world. Which takes us to point two, is this, what do they do? We read in the book of John chapter 10 verses 10, speaking of Satan, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So Satan, Lucifer, being the master of the evil ones, his assignment, he only comes to steal, kill, and to, to destroy, to bring death, loss, and destruction. And so we can conclude that because he is the master of the demons, the fallen angels, that their assignment is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why they exist. 
That's what they do. That's their assignment in our world. They oppose ministers of the gospel. There are many times that they will attack preachers of the Word of God within Scripture, within experience. They have an assignment to oppose the people that deliver the Word of God. They pervert the Word of God. We see this all over the place. The Bible tells us that there are doctrines of demons, which gives us an understanding that they would pervert the truth of the Word of God, that they would take truths and they would pervert it and twist it to deceive, to manipulate, to bring division, to bring dissension, to cause chaos within the body of Christ. They want to manipulate the truth so that we don't agree, so that then we war against each other and a house divided cannot stand. They are a, a agents of division. That's the reality. They oppress people, they possess people, they torment people, uh, they deceive people. One of their greatest tactics is deception, lying, tricking, blinding. They, they, the Bible says that blinds the eyes of unbelievers. That's why many people look on to what we say. I have a guy on my Instagram account who follows me passionately and comments on everything I say about how can you say these things are real. That's, he just doesn't realize that I'm not going to change my mind. And he's, I mean, he's mildly polite about it. But constantly, he's like, you're foolish. You're tricking people. How do you know this stuff's real? And he's because his mind has been blinded by the work of demons to not be able to see the truth. That's what they do. That's why we preach the gospel, to pierce the veil, that they might see Jesus, that they can come out of that blindness and into sight. Jesus came to give sight to the blind. So that's what they do. They're agents of destruction, deception, dissension, division, sickness, disease, trauma, which leads us to, I, I, said, I said a thing up there earlier, it says they possess people. So a big question people often have is, what is demon possession? Who can be possessed? Can people be possessed? I've watched The Exorcist. I just don't know if that's how it actually, have you watched The Exorcist? Surely not. If you have, we'll be praying for deliverance over here <laughs> after this service. But yet, number three, do they possess people? Well, we would believe, according to Scripture, absolutely. They float around, it would appear, looking for homes to land in, looking for places to, to dwell in. Okay, and when we speak, now what I want to quickly do is just describe, under, help us understand possession according to the New Testament. Because ultimately in the Old Testament, there is not a lot of talk of demon possession. There is talk of Nephilim and angels coming down into the sons of God and then mating with females. But we'll get it, I'll let Carolina talk about the Nephilim all that stuff that's for next week with pastor that's in the internship okay we'll talk about nephilim there demigods all that good stuff uh but in the new testament there are loads of encounters with demon possessed people so in the, in the new testament there are four terms used that speak about demon possession number one is this having a demon which is used the most used about 16 times there's the word demonized there's the word an unclean spirit and then there's the afflicted with an unclean spirit. These things all speak of the same thing of a person who has been possessed by a demon. Now, to be possessed means it's indwelt or it's controlling or it's tormenting. It has complete control of that person's life. So yes, according to Scripture, people can be demon-possessed. 
Now, it would appear within context in Scripture and with the world that we live in, the majority of demon possession comes in places where there is false religion, which we would speak, which kind of is talking around false worshiping demons, basically, witchcraft, the occult. Uh, that's why you often hear that in third world countries, there's a lot more testimonies and stories about people who deal with demons. That's why if you've ever come with a trip with Awaken Africa, we go into the bush of Africa, you're going to see a lot of demon manifestations. We've got a team we're taking into Mexico. Keanu's taking into Mexico in December. When they head into the jungles, they're going to see a lot of demon possession. It's not because demons like third world countries more. It's because they, one of the greatest access points is people who openly, willfully open themselves up to worship demons, to worship ancestors, to worship and be involved in, in blatant witchcraft. It's in, in South Africa, they call them uh, a songoma, which is a witch doctor. And so these are the things. Now, it's important to decipher. People think that, but when I've traveled through the West a lot, through America, through Australia, through Europe, and we see the same things. One of the biggest demon possessions that I've seen was in Dubai, a lady living there, and it was absolutely outrageous. The things her mouth was doing your brain can't comprehend it. It feels like a blur. It feels like a movie in front of your eyes. Or there was a, uh, a young girl in, in Phoenix, Arizona, who came to one of our meetings and we were praying for people. And as I prayed for her, the power of God came on her and she hurled herself to the ground, took her nails, dug them into my leg to the point of blood and was screaming as God delivered her from that demon. Now I spoke to her later on and the reason that she had been involved in this stuff is because she was involved in the New Age, which is modern occult. New Age spirits, finding your, can I, can I be careful here, but finding your, your, uh, your worship in food and crystals and all that good stuff is very dangerous to being within the New Age occult. This stuff, this is where it is, and this is where we will find in the Western culture a lot of this would lie. Now, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but that doesn't mean only people like that can have a demon possession because there have, we have experiences in, in Scripture of children who have demon possession. It's kind of like there's not a real to-do list of what it takes for a demon to possess somebody. We just know it can happen, and there are areas where it seems to happen more. But what we do know is that, yes, they can possess people. Now, does anyone here think they are possessed? <laughs> just look, everyone look at me real quickly in the eyes, and we'll just see if there's any here. <laughs> but what, I, what, what that sort of takes us to is the next, the next thought here, and I'm, I'm going to go quickly, is that this is a big question. Can a demon possess a Christian? Because the truth is, people who aren't Christians, people who are of the world, although not all of them are demon-possessed, in fact, the majority of people are not possessed by demons, they are under the bondage of sin and Satan because they are in the world, uh, they are separate from God, their destiny is destruction, okay? They're, but they're not all demon-possessed. But can a Christian be possessed? Well, it's an interesting question and I'm confronted by it often because many meetings that we do, we'll have worship services and there'll be people raising their hands, worshiping God. And then when we're praying for people down the front, we pray for them 
and then a demon manifests, which presents me with a bit of a problem. That happens all the time. That's the story I just told about the young girl who decided to embed her nails in my thigh was worshiping mid-service. So now we have to look at Scripture and try and understand a little bit about this. And I've, I've sort of come to two conclusions. The first one is this, that uh, if someone is like that and they manifest a demon and it seems to be possession, then I, I, one option is that they are not truly born again, believers of Jesus Christ. It's possible to be engaged in Christian activity. It's possible to be involved in religious duty. Come to church, give your little tithe over here, raise your hands in worship, and not be a surrendered life to Jesus. That's possible. So that can be one thing. But the other thing I look at is this. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts, uh, Acts 17, 28, says, For in Him we live and move and have our being. As so, uh, sorry, in Him we live and move and have our being. Or Galatians 2, 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave Himself for me. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, But whoever is united with the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. So I'm presented with a problem that those who are united with the Lord are one spirit with the Lord. That Christians, that in Him we live and move and have our being. That Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And this life that I now live, I live by faith in the one who gave himself for me. Those scriptures all present this problem. That I'm pretty sure that the Spirit of God indwelt within a human being does not want to share house with a demon. So if I'm possessed fully in surrender to the Spirit of God, that it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me, then I would suggest that a Christian cannot be possessed by a demon. So there are two options. One, someone might not actually be born again, surrendered to Jesus. Two, they definitely can't be born again, saved by the Spirit of God and be possessed by a demon, which is nice and relieving. However, what do we do with the people who it appears are born again and when we see God move in their life, it appears that there is demonic activity because that can happen. And I would say this, the book of Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus with Nazareth, of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit and power, who went around doing good, healing all who are sick and oppressed of the devil. So the first one we have is possessed. Possessed is indwelt, controlled, and completely tormented. The word oppressed means to crush or burden by abuse of power or authority, to burden spiritually or mentally, or to weigh heavily upon. I would suggest as a spirit-filled believer, we cannot be possessed by a demon, but we are able to be oppressed illegally by a demon. It's an abuse of authority. It's an abuse of power. It's to weigh upon. It's to put a heavy weight upon. Can I tell you, we know because we've seen throughout Scripture and in lives, people have problems in their life that weigh on them heavily. There's a thing called anxiety that is derivated from a spirit of fear. I don't believe people who struggle with anxiety are possessed by a demon. I do think there's an oppression from a spirit of fear. 
I, I don't think people who have a uh, depression are possessed by the spirit of depression. I think they can be oppressed by a spirit of heaviness. It's sickness. There's disease. The Bible talks about spirits of infirmity. And so there's a difference. A non-believer can be possessed, although not all are possessed. And many can be oppressed. A Christian cannot be possessed, but are able to be oppressed. Does that make sense? Which leads us then to the last thought, which is what terrifies and defeats demons? What terrifies and defeats them? Because it, they, they are scared. We're not supposed to be. The Bible says we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We're not meant to be afraid, but we are supposed to be aware. And when we are aware of some truths, some understandings, we demystify a little bit, but we don't turn away from, we don't ignore, we don't pretend it doesn't exist, but we realize that there's a place where demons can be defeated and that demons are actually terrified. Number one is this, what defeats and terrifies demons? The preaching of Jesus. In the scripture we read earlier in Luke chapter 4, verse 30, uh, yeah, verse 31 says, Then they went down to Capernaum in a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath, Jesus, He taught the people. He was teaching in the synagogue, in the church He was preaching. They were amazed at His teaching because His words had authority. And in the synagogue, in the church, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of His voice, Go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Jesus was in there. He wasn't demon hunting. He wasn't looking for a demon. He was preaching the unadulterated, the authoritative Word of God, the Gospel. And demons like to hide themselves. This is the thing about demons is when we see one manifest, if we see one manifest, it's not because they just like to do that. They would prefer to stay hidden. But it's kind of like a tantrum. Like a toddler whose last resort is throw a tantrum to see if it can get its way. A demon manifesting is a demon realizing that it's been exposed, it's been found, and now it's going to throw a tantrum to see if we will shrink back in fear and just let it alone. But Jesus preached the Word, and because of the preaching of Jesus, it was exposed. It couldn't keep hidden, and it cried out, What do you want with us? Are you here to destroy us, Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of God? The preaching of Jesus defeats and terrifies demons. That's why we have a responsibility to preach the truth of the gospel, not the perverted version of the gospel, not our human wisdom version of the gospel. We're to preach the Word of God because the Word of God is the power. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. Preach the gospel. The ultimate deliverance is the Deliverance of, of salvation is in deliverance. Saved is being saved from sin, healed, delivered from bondage. Our ultimate deliverance comes in salvation, which comes through the preaching of the gospel. The second thing that defeats and terrifies demons, let me erase through this today, is this, the purpose of Jesus. Jesus came to save sinners, right? For God so loved the world, He sent Jesus that whosoever would believe not would not perish, but have everlasting life. But the Bible also tells us in the book of John 3.8 that the, it says that the one who is sinful is of the devil because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. 
But the reason the Son of God was manifest or appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The Bible tells us in the book of Matthew that God created this lake of fire for the devil and for his angels where they will burn for eternity. Jesus was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. What, what, what terrifies and defeats demons is the purpose that they know that Jesus has come to destroy them, to send them to the abyss, to send them into the pit, to put them in the lake of fire, to burn and to be tormented for eternity. It sounds crazy, but that's the truth. That they're, they're afraid of that. That's why this demon spoke up and said, Jesus, are you here to destroy us? Like, I don't know if it's time yet, God. We, we kind of know what the timeline is. And Jesus has turned up. Is He here now to destroy us? The purpose of Jesus is to save sinners and to destroy the works of the devil. Sickness, disease, torment, trauma, fear. The next one is this, the power of Jesus. This demon came out and it exposed itself saying what do you want to do with us Jesus and it says that Jesus said be quiet and come out of him and it says that the demon threw the man to the floor and left him and the man was left unharmed can I tell you these kind of things happen all the time the amount of people we've had to have holding people because a demon is violently throwing them on the ground we protect them as much as we can but we drive the demon out they're what defeats demons what makes them fear is the power of Jesus that with a word, because of all authority in heaven and on earth, He can tell it where to go. That demon spirits obey the power and authority of Jesus. The next thing that makes them terrified and defeats them is the presence of Jesus. The presence of God Almighty. There's a, book in, uh, a story in the book of Mark chapter 5. It talks about a man who had a legion of demons, which is multiple. He was a man who was living in caves, in tombs, and he was cutting himself. He was too strong that he, chains couldn't hold him. He'd been pushed out of his community. And it says that Jesus got off a boat into this region, and this demon sensed the presence of Jesus and came running and fell to its knees and cried out to Jesus to leave us alone. The presence of Jesus terrifies and exposes demons. The power of Jesus removes them. The preaching of the gospel, it exposes because He preaches the truth. The truth exposes. His presence exposes and His power removes them. And the very last thing today that terrifies and defeats demons is the people of Jesus. You see, because when Jesus was here, He went around doing good, healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. But Jesus said, I've got to go, but don't worry, I'm going to send another, the help of the Holy Spirit. And He says, and you will wait, and when you receive Him, you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Mark 16, He says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, drive out demons. What demons are terrified of our spirit-filled believers who realize that we don't function on our own authority, but it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son who gave Himself for me. They are afraid of peop the people of God. 
because we are now the carriers. We have been commissioned. We have been compelled by love. We are ambassadors to go into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ and demons can't stand it. We've been commissioned and compelled by love to go into all the world in His authority to bring His presence. That's why in meetings where the presence of God becomes extremely tangible and thick, we see demons manifest because they can't stand the presence and we've been commissioned with the power of God to destroy the works of the devil. In the book of Luke, Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And He says, and I'm giving you power and authority over all the powers of the evil one. We don't need to be afraid of demons. They are afraid of us because we carry Christ. They come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, who lives in us, came to bring life and life there more abundantly. We take territory back. We might be talking about demons, but we're finishing today telling them that they don't stand a chance in the presence of God Almighty because where there's one essence of light, darkness has got to go. We don't have to be afraid because we have the Spirit of God residing on the inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't God good? The ultimate deliverance is in salvation. While we may be saved, we can be oppressed. While some people are not saved, they can be possessed and oppressed. But there'll be a day where there'll be no more. But today I want to tell you, if you've never given your life to Jesus, friends, today's your day. You need to give your life to Jesus. Salvation. Jesus came to save. Sozo. Save, heal, and deliver. His blood paid the price so that you and I could live free now and for eternity.